Well, hello everyone. This is Jeff Davis, Director of the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities. We welcome you today. We have a wonderful guest with us, Becky Sharp, who is the Executive Director of the Columbus Center for Human Services here in Franklin County. Becky, welcome. Thank you. Becky, it's really nice to have you. Becky and I have known each other a long time. We're so happy to have you join us. And why don't we just start with a little bit of your background? Do you want to? Okay. Well, many, many years ago, um, as I started when I was two, you know. <laughs> I do but, know. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to be a nurse, so I was gung-ho, college student, thought I'd work at a nursing home to gain some experience um, as an STNA, and um, thought I was there to help people. And I learned very quickly um, that maybe my perception of what services might look like was a little different from others. Uh, the ladies there at the nursing home said, you know, my number one thing is to have my hair curled for the church service. And mind you, church service was down the hallway, right in the dining room. And they said, no one's ever done that for me. I really like you to do that. So being the enthusiastic young college student, I was like, I'm going to do this. And the next day I received a write up from one of my supervisors who said uh, words that I'll kind of never forget that caused me to uh actually end up in this field. And they were things like, you will learn not to care. You're not here to spoil people. Who cares if they get their hair done? They're going down the hallway. Or things like, you soon will learn that you can't change things here. They are the way they are. And you're here to feed, dress, change them, and that's it. So I kind of ended up leaving that day and driving down the road and seeing a sign. And it said the words that I never will forget there want to make a difference. That's all it said. Now hiring. Didn't know what I'd be doing. And I ended up um, applying at CCHS that day as a direct care staff. And I've been here ever since, about 26 years. <laughs> so talk. let's talk about your journey at CCHS. Okay. As a direct care staff, um, as you know, in the field, turnover is, um, even back then, uh, three months and you were offered a manager's position. So ended up uh, going into direct, direct care management and eventually going to college for 11 years as a direct care staff because you worked about 16 to 20 hours a day, even back then. And uh, finally got my degree. So I started down the path to being a Q and HR and scheduling and then ended up in the role as program director. And when our director retired, I was selected for this position about six years ago. That's fantastic. It is. So you've started down this path. Let's let's continue. So what you mentioned is what we've known for a long time. You, it, it, we struggle in keeping DSPs early on, past a three-month, six-month, nine-month. Why do you think that is? I think that sometimes we don't focus on what their life journey calls us to focus on, what's important to them, and acknowledging them as people and individuals as well. And just providing that needed support and guidance and training and just everything they need to be successful in the role. I think you're spot on. So what, now that you are the executive director and, of course, you've been in management for a while, what kinds of things do you focus on to make make that difference? Um, the first day of orientation, I try to start the orientation um, by meeting myself and the leadership team. And we do some crazy activities like having them do a dance move or, you know, it varies every time. 
But to show them three principles that I still think are most important, that the DSPs know that their leaders will do whatever is asked of them. Um, and we dance too and look like fools doing it. But um, that we are allowed to care for people in this field and we're called to care for people. And we all are individuals and we all have our path that we will support you in that path. If there's something that isn't going right, let us know. We'll be there for you. If you need something, let us know. We'll try to help in any way. So what kind of positive reinforcement have you gotten with within that vision of yours? <laughs> well, um, the dance moves, I usually every <laughs> class get, get kind of a laugh, like, where am I going and who is this crazy director that just entered the room? Um, but after sharing with them why we do the dance moves, and I have other leaders do that too in the company, um, they can feel more relaxed. And from day one, they hear the history and the overview of our company directly from the leaders and that we all started as DSPs just like them and that there is a journey that we're called to do. So how do you get buy-in from your management staff? Um, lots and lots of input. I ask them every day almost, what can we do different? What can we do to support you? What have you done to change a life today? What door have you opened for a DSP, for an individual? And that really has opened the conversation. Now they just come up and want to share what they've done differently to inspire a life, whether that be a DSP, an individual served, a family member. Uh, we just focus a lot on individual stories and journeys. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, what do you think about recruitment and retention? It's what tough. <laughs> yes. yes, it's tough. Um, we've, we've noticed that through the COVID period, we've learned a lot of things as well about onboarding and uh, virtual options and social media and reaching people in a different way for recruitment. Um, but our, our DSPs are still our voice. If we have a good experience, they will tell others and they will bring their friends. Our referrals are 76% of our, our staffing um, recruitment. So we have focused more on rewarding those who make referrals and rewarding the staff when they do sign on and they have life experiences that they've shared um, for how they have made a difference. So also during this time, of course, the hazard pay was very, very essential to that. So we appreciate the extra funding that was allotted to allow for that. Um, you touched on the professional growth, both the opportunities and and perhaps the challenge, but, but the effort at making sure people know you're not just supported where you are. If you want to be a DSP, please stay with us. If you But if you want growth within our system, it's available. Yes, um, definitely. The, the DSPs are the core of our system and, and those that want to make the DSP a career, I feel that we need to do a better job of supporting them through that journey and valuing them and, and their roles. Um, we have done some positive things with the competency-based add-on and them getting training and getting an extra dollar and, and some of the OADSP initiatives and credentialing and training and earning more for those. Um, and those in the field as DSPs, also we need to inspire their career ladder and their, their individual goals as we talked about earlier. Um, there it might be a DSP that's going to nursing school um, instead of losing them to another field or another career path, let's lead them in our field or an HR director or accounting or therapy. Um, our field 
is multifaceted and I feel like we can um, do a better job of creating career ladders for the DSPs. So we certainly as a department have have recognized and said to you many times and used you right and publicly in presentations about you know CCHs and yours your team's response to COVID. Let's let's chat a little bit about that. You you the virus visited you early on. Yeah, very early on. Um, in fact, I just received an email with a picture of a zipper wall um, that day, and that was before we were ramping up on hearing the word COVID. You know repeatedly. Um, and chills kind of went up my spine and I didn't know why we'd need them, but we went and bought them and we created an isolation center that day. And if we hadn't had that when our first case hit, I feel like the spread would have been much worse. Um, so I appreciate the resources that DODD county boards and everyone was distributing during that time, uh, trade associations, other providers, everybody working together just to get the information out. Um, because of that, I feel like we saved lots of lives here. Let's let's chat about the early shock. Do you do you <laughs> mind? I mean, that, sure. because it was early and 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 we didn't have experience. No one did much. Right. And so you were one of the first. Talk talk about that shock to to staff and individuals and families. However you wish. Okay, um, for um, our staff. I, in the beginning, it was just an amazing response. Our DSPs were like, what do you need me to do? Do you need me to stay over? Do you need me to live in the house for a few days? What can we do? Our admin staff the same way. Do we need to transport them to the hospital? Do we need to deliver masks? What, what do you need from me? Um, in the beginning, it was a, a shock and everybody went into action. Um, remember us having this revelation saying, oh my gosh, we're responsible for 1,500 lives. And we were like, Wait, how, how can that be? Well, we have 500 staff, 600, 600 individuals, and then our families that come, you know, frequently. So 1,500 lives are in our hands right now. We can't wait. What are we going to do? And everybody just jumped in. Um, and DODD, your team was calling and offering help with PPE, which was a huge issue then. In the early days, we didn't have, obviously, a stockpile here. Um and just training the staff and getting getting that in place. The county board was reaching out with assistance on PPE and how can we help your staff. So I think the initial shock, um, we didn't have time to have it. <laughs> it was like, oh, my gosh, we're responsible for all these people. And then we have to have an action plan and we have to implement immediately. That Your experience with your staff wasn't necessarily the same experience that everybody had. So... What do you attribute that to? I, I just committed DSPs. Um, the one, the house where we had the first um, case was actually a licensed home with five individuals. And I remember when we had the first positive, which was like, wow, what do we do now? Um, the individual was moved to the isolation center and we had two particular nurses that said, you can count on us. We'll do 12 hour shifts around the clock to, to do the isolation center. Wow, that's amazing. I I can't provide that service. I'm not a nurse, you know. Um, so they took care of that. And then once he was here at the isolation center, three DSPs called and said, "Hey, I'm willing to live here. I will stay around the clock. We'll you know we'll take shifts, but we will stay here. That way, we have no staff in the home. They're not going out. No one's coming in. And 
we want to keep these other guys safe. And that was amazing to me. Uh, yeah. And, and all three of them had families and staff uh, and requirements at home that they just pushed aside. So I can't tell you other than just committed, wonderful people in our journey. And you worked. Yes. Many, many hours. <laughs> In, but nothing I, close I, to what they sacrificed. <laughs> well, don't you think that mattered? Yeah, and, and the first case definitely had to be involved in transporting because we couldn't find anybody to transport them once they were positive. So I got the old van and went and picked them up, and we went to, to get the testing done. So it took the team, it took everyone to, to pull that off. Our, our accounting staff are working direct care, our HR staff are working direct care. And, you know, that experience really taught us a lot. Uh, most of us have been DSPs, but there were a few in the HR department and accounting department that hadn't been. And just working in the homes for two days, they came back and said, wow, I'm going to have a different outlook on on the DSPs and paying them and making sure they get what they need. So. So, Becky, we also saw some really creative and innovative partnerships between providers during this COVID environment, and you were you were intimate to that. So, you want to share? Um, sure. Um, we ha have developed some partners, and by partners, I mean true partners who work together through the COVID period, especially other providers. Um, assisted us with staffing. We assisted um, and reassigned some of our ADS staff. We created a daycare and other providers, um, DSPs, who could um, have childcare during this time. Uh, we partnered for PPE, which was super important, especially in the beginning. Um, CRSI and some of the other larger providers were able to, to help us out when we didn't have any PPE whatsoever um, in the beginning. Um, also, during this time, we were called upon to do a uh, emergency staffing for some other providers, uh, independent providers and family providers, who then they were positive and then the individual also contracted it. And without another resource, they would not have had a provider during the time. Um, home health was not serving folks with positive COVID. So if they had any health needs like lab draws or injections, they needed nursing, they could come to our isolation center. And the the ISP process was seamless. They they didn't we didn't have any barriers or the other provider saying, How are you billing or how are you doing this or when are they coming home? It was just a partnership and we worked together and all of the individuals that were served during that time in the isolation center returned to their provider after the 14 days successfully. So that was a a, a great thing. So is there anything from your perspective, Becky, that you'd like to mention that we didn't? No, just I, I really feel like we could use this time and the and the lessons learned to create awesome opportunities for individuals in a different way. Yeah. So let's build on that. Yeah. All right. Thank you. What can I say to you? Thank you so very much for doing this. Thank you.